The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, the first family of TikTok breaks into the food market. Mark D'Amelio, manager and dad of Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio, cashing in on the family's 228 million followers. I think one thing I would say to all the creators out there that your following doesn't equate to customers. You really have to do the work. California's Blue Shield is teaming up with Amazon and with Mark Cuban's online pharmacy. It's a big pharma deal, and CNBC's Bertha Coombs has the details. This is just the second health insurer to sign with Class Plus. I asked Mark Cuban how hard it has been to win them over, and he told me there are a lot of bad habits they need to break. Plus, a market sell-off rooted in options action, a TikTok ban in New York, bye-bye babies back, and... The 10-year at 4.290. Oh my gosh. The 10-year bond yield hitting a 15-year high. This is the bad kind, though. This is the bad disinversion. Our favorite T-Bill fan, Kelly Evans, joins Joe and Andrew. Now, at 4.30, you can get an appetizer. It's Thursday, August 17th, 2023, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one, cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Kelly Evans, who is back for a encore performance. She rested yesterday. Becky is I'm out today, rested. but uh, it's nice to see you. Seventh day she rested. Stocks fell in yesterday's session. This after the Fed minutes showed that central bankers remain largely concerned that inflation uh, would fail to pull back and further rate hikes would be needed. Take a look at Treasury yields right now. Mm-hmm. The two-year at 4.961. Uh, the 10-year at 4.290. Oh, my God. It's less inverted. Less inverted. This less is inverted. the bad kind, though. This is the bad disinversion. Well, I, think, I, I just have, you know, not for nothing, but are you glad you didn't load up on the 4% 10 year because you'd already be underwater. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm not a bank. It doesn't no, matter. It doesn't matter, but but if you but if it's 10 years and you have No, the problem is it a, keeps looking better. If you liked it at 4, you'll love it at 4.3. Right. Yeah, but exactly. if you bought it at 4, you're already down on the 4. That's the problem well, with, but, with it, locking it, in long-term yields. But uh, inflation-wise, you're not necessarily down if inflation's falling. You know what I'm saying? So like your well, purchasing power. If inflation's power, falling, then you're you're going to make money because eventually they're going to come exa- down. Exactly. But if inflation's not falling, and you're going to be have an opportunity to buy them at six, and you but that's the that's what I don't understand. So if you're telling me right now that this isn't a good deal, you're basically telling me that I'm going to be able to get the ten year. No, 6%. I'm telling you two things. You will get your principal back, and it is a prudent part of any diversified portfolio to have a large part in in bonds where you know you'll get your principal back. But that's all we, I can guarantee you <laughs> is that you will get your principal back. And and as we've seen with bonds, if it's ten year, or you go long. You'll get your principal you know, back, right. but if you had to market, you're you're not getting a competitive 
rate of return. But I want to ask. Stocks but the, will always two, probably do better. But the two years kind of Agreed. a nice thing. The two years not going up because the two Fed. Two years a nice thing. No, no, the downside for the two year. I can give you the flip side of that. Two years from now, if rates do fall, right. and if inflation does go down, no, you wake you, up and you're at three percent, and but you, you did lock in higher rates. But, so there's all you can always make a mistake in the bond market. But then you go back and say, here's here's what I was really thinking. I would like to ask some of our experts about this this morning because we're getting into to hazy territory because I'm going cross discipline here. But I'm looking at this four percent on the thirty four point four, and I'm thinking to myself, isn't there like a four percent rule for four hundred one k? retirement distributions like at what point do we get in the territory where if you put a comfortable position into something like literally the 30 year you can live off of that well i'm just saying right like we're, see that's what you, you do i with you th there's no, yeah. things about this that i'm looking at and i'm going like uh, you know not I'm threading a needle here. It really doesn't make sense for 99.9. But like at some point, we're getting to places that I'm like. Unless it's Charlie like Munger, 30 years from now, I'm just going to have like flower expenses for someone to bring it. <laughs> where the other? Okay, the other thing, Kelly. So now, you got 430 now. So that you that 400. Yeah, that 400 dollars you make every year on your 10,000 dollar investment after taxes. This is the other thing I want to ask. And there's tax, but now at 430 you can get an appetizer. Right. If you decide to spend it on dinner, if we go to a nice restaurant yeah, with our proceeds, for your for the big we, return you get on your ten grand, drink. you can yeah. actually get. Probably I not just took a, a taxi from downtown to uptown yesterday, and I had the problem. So yeah, this this would not pay for itself. Four hundred thirty dollars <laughs> on ten grand. You wait a year to get four hundred thirty dollars. There are people just, who have told me they're using Treasury Direct this year for the first time. Who you would think. And, and they, they admit, they go, I'm not making a lot of money. It just feels good to be able to You'll make get your principal back. a little bit. So do you, do you like shrimp cocktail? I'm going to do Going for the fancy. Or would you go for the dessert? You know. Because that might, you might not be able to afford a, a, like a banana's foster. Yeah. Goldman Sachs shedding uh, some light on Tuesday's uh, decline in the S&P 500. Uh, Scott uh, Rubner. Might be Rubner, might be Rubner. <laughs> it's up to it's tomato tomato from the bank's global Marxist vision. Told Bloomberg, if he wanted us to say his name right, he should have told us. Told Bloomberg that options tied to the S and P with a maturity of less than 24 hours fueled the day's decline, in which the index dropped by four tenths of a percent in 20 minutes. Those contracts are known as zero days to expiration, and when option orders pour in, it forces market makers to buy or sell stocks in mass to keep. Uh, the book's balanced. Now, on Tuesday, the cost of bearish puts with a strike price at 44.40 spiked from 70 cents to $9 in a short span uh, near the session's end. Must have been fairly wow. thin trading. Almost 100,000 uh, such contracts changed hands. I don't know if that's a lot. Or $45 billion in notional value, but you heard what they initially sold for. It wasn't very much. Uh, Goldman's analysis uh, echoes that of Nomura and UBS and Citigroup earlier this week, uh, showing that trading in those zero days to expiration uh, contracts has ballooned in popularity. I used to do it all the time on Fridays, on option expiration Fridays. Really? I do it with, with OEX uh, or XMIs. XMIs were on the, the Dow, OEXs were on the so S&P. So this isn't like a new thing? Not at all. Uh, you could, if, if you're out of the money on, on a Friday, and you get, it's like noon, let's say. I was in L.A. at the time. Let's say it's noon, it's closing at 1 o'clock. Something can be trading at a teeth. Right. And if, if there's people, and people did decide to do this, and they had enough money to move it, 
into the money. Mm. So if you're 10 points out of the money or five points out of the money and all of a sudden there's a sell program or a buy program, a 16th can go to four. You know what you can make in an afternoon? Do you think people are taking advantage of it? Because listen, I've never seen it It's always gaming. It's like gaming. It is crickets out there. There's nobody around. (laughs) I don't know if you guys have noticed the same thing. I'm around. No one else is. So do you think people are taking advantage of the thin volumes to whenever, try to push some of the stuff? Whenever they, it gets real thin, you figure they do. But you know it's not the it dog It can't days. be that thin anymore. Dog. I mean, I think this is yeah, you don't, you enough think it's machine. You don't think it's less thin than it used to be? Well, I think it's There's enough machine worse. trading, too. I think it's machines. I think, yeah. Right, but wouldn't the machines the sense machines. the same opportunity and just go for it? Right? I mean, I don't know. It feels like if they start sensing a, a, you know, a thinness in the market, they'd be like, we know our, our heft and our power. I don't know. We'll have to ask them. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> we'll it's not. The, the dog days are already over. So just so What are the dog days? Uh, July 3rd to August 11th. Why those days? Because of Sirius. Not the, the radio station. The astrological sign? Yeah, it's a dog. And, and the, 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 that's where dog days of, of uh, August came from. Even well. though it's a cancer month. Yeah, I don't know about and, that. Uh, yeah, all right. I don't either. Meantime, New York City has now banned access to TikTok on government phones. It's joining the federal government in more than 35 states and banning that app on official devices. New York City's Cyber Command saying TikTok posed a security threat to the city's technical networks. The state of New York has prohibited access to TikTok on state-owned phones, with few exceptions in the public relations field for marketing purposes. So... You know, when you get a state like New York deciding that, I mean, when's California going to do it? I don't know. Don't you think the real news seems to be that we're not banning it? Right? There's still these sort of like token, okay, it's banned on government devices, but nothing more galvanizing, more broad in terms of actually getting rid of it. What I can't it's been tell. Years now. But what I can't tell is whether it actually is a security threat or whether we're actually, we're much more in line with this sort of just. What I'd love to know is sort of theater around our views about China and about no, no, this remember and about those, that. Those journal reports about how it was right. collecting all the inputs onto your phone. If, if you had it on your app, it was yep. collecting all your keystrokes. Okay, I can yeah, see a problem no, no, there. It's collecting your keystrokes when you're on TikTok, not when you're on that, everything. That was not. Are uh, you sure? I'm pretty sure that that was not what they were saying. I also wonder if you believe that they're actually moving this thing over to this thing called Project Houston, which is in the United States. Whether you can, act, whether that is something that would actually suffice, or whether nobody wants to and believe that that's even been a plausible, sort of situation. a lot of hoopla and not much substance. It seems people that are know. really strident think that you know the content itself is corrupting the youth. That's what they're talking oh, about. Oh, sure, but I don't by know the if way, it's any more than normal. Yeah, Twitter I don't know. I'm, I'm, probably some truth I'm as addicted to uh, reels and stories on Instagram. I'm so, Are you, you know, saying you're saying you're not corrupted? How do you know you're not being totally? No, does I, it I, say try fentanyl? You love it. Do you ever see that subliminal? I haven't in any had of that. These I haven't messages? had that experience. I don't so, think the Instagram algos are that good. I wish it would show me more stuff. I, I, really, you think the TikTok yeah. one is that much better? Oh you? my gosh, thousands is of it, times it, better. Is it? Subversive, the content? On TikTok or on Instagram? On On Instagram, I get the same stuff. Here's what I get on Instagram. It's just as bad on Instagram. On Instagram, I get, here's another mommy reel you'll think is so funny. And on TikTok, at least I get a broad, you know, sampling of the content that might be. The true conspiracy theorists think that that they're undermining our youth from China, from within. Is that, and then there's the data collection issue on the other side. But but truly, there are people, we, we have them on the show all the time. That think this is Not part just the of youth, a but multi-year destabilizing. Plan. Like, remember right. during the George Floyd 2020, there's a sense of like, oh no, they're trying to destabilize things. They're pushing content that? that you know. They're smart. 
They're smart enough to do that. We'd probably do it. I'm not, I'm not convinced. What, the real thing that I don't understand is why, and you know, I'm an Apple fan, but if everybody has such a problem with this thing, not this thing, but it has such a problem with TikTok or some of these apps, I don't understand why isn't Apple or Google. Because they're so popular. No, I understand that. But you'd think that they would be the ones that would, somebody would come to them and say, you can't, we can't have you this. You think right. Apple is not worried about peeing off, oh, yes. off no. China? Yeah. yeah, no, no, I, that's what I'm saying. There's, yeah. there's a whole sort of circular issue there. There is. Talk about our favorite company. Can we? Shall we? Is it? Yeah, Death, poor, it, fit, poor guys. Former. Former. Yeah. Our, is that our former favorite company or is it our favorite company? It's now we'll, we'll always have Paris. And Bed Bath and & Beyond. Bed, Bath, and, and Bed Bath & Beyond. Uh, because the former Bed Bath & Beyond corporate sibling, Bye Bye Baby, getting a new lease on life. So it's not our, this one's not our fa- uh, former. It's our, it's our current. I had no idea you guys had this affinity. The for- chief, Mark, we, we love to, to go on, on nice weekends, walks. On rainy through, weekends when you don't have Bed Bath & Beyond. You go just browse. It was such a business stuff, just to tools. go browse. Both of you, you did this? Together. Together. And we go to like the vaporizer section where they'd have like those Duvets. vaporizers. Is this from a movie that I, don't, I haven't seen? Or something? Nope. nope. Just the movie that we would make that no one would see. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, or the chief. Have you ever been in a bed bath? I have. To have buy, a, cur- Many to buy a, times. a Keurig. To buy a Keurig. Love it. Love bed bath. I feel, I feel very sad about the situation. They have no baths or, or, beds. or beds. That's why they went belly up. Meantime. <laughs> The chief marketing officer of the baby goods retailer Dream on Me says the owners of his organization plan to reopen 11 stores in the Northeast as soon as this fall. Those owners bought Bye Bye Baby's intellectual property at a bankruptcy run auction in June. And I think, Joe, we missed out on buying the IP. Yeah, that would have been that would have been the move. Cheese will be next. Up next on Squawk Pod, how Mark Cuban, Amazon, and insurer Blue Shield are changing the prescription drug game one price at a time. CNBC's Bertha Coombs joins the team to explain. If we all just did the the cost plus model, would we even need Medicare drug negotiations and all? So how much of the high cost of prescription drugs is because of this old system? And what would the people behind the old system say about why we need it? That is the huge point of contention. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. His mic, cue. 
Good morning and welcome back to Squawkbox here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin and Kelly Evans. Becky is off today. One of California's major health insurers is shaking up its pharmacy networks, going with a pair of industry disruptors. And Bertha Coombs joins us now with the CNBC exclusive. Hey, Bertha. Hey, Joe. So Blue Shield of California is looking to make drugs more affordable for its 4.8 million members, signing with Mark Cuban's cost plugs drug company, the 20-month-old online pharmacy which sells drugs at 15% over wholesale, and Amazon Pharmacy, which just this week launched $35 insulin. Blue Shield uh, CEO Paul Markovich says the transition will start in 2025. I expect we're going to, when this ramps up completely, we're going to be saving $500 million a year. And I think if you apply that, we spend more than $600 billion a year as a country on drugs. So if this were to be applied across the country, the savings could reach easily $100 billion. This is just the second health insurer to sign with Class Plus. I asked Mark Cuban how hard it has been to win them over, and he told me there are a lot of bad habits they need to break, but payers now realize that Class Plus has made the price of medications transparent, with doctors and patients seeing what prices should be, and the industry will have to adjust. Still, in addition to Cost Plus and Amazon Blue, Blue Shield, rather, Blue Shield will continue to use CVS for specialty drugs, because that's an area where you still need to have that scale. How big a deal is Mark Cuban's business becoming? He says that they're growing at about 20% a month, but this is a tough business to disrupt because you've got the big players and they have the scale and they can get... Do they see him now, though, as a is a unique and genuine competitor, or do they think this is some kind of sideshow? I I think they don't yet. He's not as big a threat yet. But you also have these insurers that are still on their contracts. So maybe as their contracts come due, and likely the blues and the smaller players might turn to them. Certainly, you know, CVS Health isn't going to because they have a pharmacy benefit management. That's their business. United Healthcare isn't going to, and neither is Cigna, which owns Express Scripts. So he says, you know, obviously he's never going to get the big three, but he does say that, you know, we're talking with all of them. You know, if you try to go to a pharmacy, it's crowded a lot of times. It is. It takes time, a lot some time. People like to talk to their pharmacists well, it, about the prescription. Well, it's not just talk, but sometimes... That was the, the question. You, didn't you write that I know. question? Yeah. <laughs> People do like to talk to their pharmacists, but, uh, you know, for the pharmacists, they have to often call and get, you know, reauthorization. Oh, you so it takes a, a while. Yeah. No, it takes they, a while. Yeah. So one of the things, Amazon has that ability online to be able to talk to people, but they also have the ability for you to pick up your script, your prescription at a physical pharmacy, oh, okay. as does Cuban. They, they've actually partnered with a few individual pharmacies that are trying to grow that network. So you could still go in and see a pharmacist. But, you know, when you're with complex things, you know, my, my late mom had a lot of issues in terms of hypertension, COPD. It was really helpful to be able to talk to the pharmacist when she had all these different drugs that might interact. So just so I'm understanding this, basically the existing system controls 80% of the pharmacy locations through, and, and cost plus and some of these others, you have to basically do mail order. And, and exactly. so, the, but, but are, is he right that those middle 
market players are driving? Like if we all just did the, the cost plus model, would we even need Medicare drug re- negotiations and all that? Like how much of the high cost of prescription drugs is because of this yeah. old system? And what would the people behind the old that system is, say about why we need that it? That is the huge point of contention in the business now, Kelly. You know, you've got people in Washington, actually, there are a number of bills, whether they'll ever make it to the floor for a vote is another question, but a number of bills bipartisan trying to get at the middlemen, the pharmacy benefit managers, because the drug payers say, well, we have to raise our prices because we're going to get such big discounts from the PBMs, so they're the problem. And of course, the pharmacy benefit managers and everybody else points to the drug makers raising their prices you know, twice a year. Why do we need the PBMs? Why can't it all just be direct? Because the scale of it, you need to have people negotiating and being able to basically you know, do the logistics on it. But there are a lot of questions about whether or not that model is going to continue. They argue that they provide a service in that they will get a big discount from a drug maker. For example, right now with the GLP-1s. The weight right? loss drugs, yeah. The weight loss drugs. As you look forward to next year and you get Lilly's coming online, they might be able to play off Lilly's drug against you know, Novo Nordisk's drugs and maybe get a discount, making them preferred in the formulary. Interesting. And then that discount, they say, it helps to smooth out the the premiums for everyone, depending on how an employer wants this to use it. This is why I love competition. Let's see. I don't know. That's that's their argument. But yeah. this is a huge area of contention right now and one that's getting a lot of scrutiny from regulators, from lawmakers, and from businesses as well. Fascinating. Yep. Thanks, Bertha. Take a look at some shares of the biggest U.S. healthcare companies. You're going to notice all down in a big, big way. CVS, of course, taking it mostly on the, the chin there. The biggest uh, loser at five, a little over 5% off right now. Listen, the existing pharma PBM uh, model has brought this upon itself to some extent, looking around for defendants of the existing model. And one of the, the arguments is if you did away with the PBMs entirely, maybe the pharma companies would be happy because they don't have a big powerful player that might negotiate prices lower. But the lack of transparency, the rebate issues that have been going and on CBS for years. And CBS and some of the others have bought the PBMs. Well, and they bought so them because they were supposed to get bought, rid of... Bought. The investment bankers went wild, Medco. Well, and the whole idea was, okay, if the PBMs are extracting something from that customer, that they're going to sort of vertically integrate right. to get rid of that profit. And, and it's going to be better prices. for the customer, but right. it never and it is. Said, nothing changed. Never is. <laughs> There's certain times you can't even tell what the price of something is. It, no. It's so convoluted when you, you get all no the middlemen. And it's like this. The drug companies blame the middlemen. The right. PBMs blame the drug right. companies. And for consumers of this plan, it'll be interesting because it will be. This is a mail order business. So they might, you right. know, struggle with that aspect of it. They're not going, like we were saying, into the pharmacy and talking to somebody. But um, I think these, these price moves pre-market are warranted because this does feel like a big shake-up. Very interesting to watch what Mark, Mark Cuban does here. The question is how quickly it can actually disrupt. I mean, if it's down 5% in, just on this news, yeah. you, that, you have to believe something's really well, happening. And I don't know, know if it is yet. It may take much longer. That's but you know conundrum. institutions better than anybody. And there's a sense of... You know, you look and you, once one person does it, it does sort of start yeah, to clear the I way. Know. I think and others, they go, may, others may hey, try. Yeah, no one wants to be the first, but once the first one goes... Then you feel like it could start to pick up some momentum unless and people have a bad experience. It should be the best deal deal in town. Pharmaceutical. If you can take a pill versus go, visit a, a hospital visit or a doctor visit or a couple of days in the hospital, if you can manage it with pills, that's that's the answer yeah. for problems. But and it's convenient if it shows up at your house a lot of the times. Right. I mean, it helps. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Mark Demelio 
the dadager of social media stars, Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio. Are you like the Kris Jenner over here pulling the strings? When we first started going on TikTok and, and social media, I, I'll be quite transparent. I, was, I felt like a fish out of water and I felt like I was the oldest person in the room. Nearly 230 million TikTok followers and one food brand later, his family has found their stride. We'll be right back with the first family of TikTok. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. This next interview is a far cry from the treasury bills and options trading that we started with today on the podcast. Now it's all about social media stardom, the Demelio sisters. Hey guys, it's Dixie and Charlie. That's Charlie and Dixie Demelio, the Gen Z queens of Gen Z's favorite platform, TikTok. Charlie, this is why we don't let teenagers in the office. Well, with 228 million TikTok followers between sisters, mom, and dad, they don't need an office. They do, however, need a manager. And lucky for them, it's their dad, Mark D'Amelio. He's only got 10 million followers, psh, small potatoes compared to Charlie's 150 million. But today, the influencer family announced the launch of D'Amelio Foods. It's the latest online to IRL transition for social media stars. Here's Andrew. We're going to talk about the creator economy, people producing their own products, content, having a lot of success doing it. Today, we're focusing on the D'Amelio family, social media superstars, Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio, and their parents, Mark and Heidi. A new family venture called D'Amelio Brands has now secured a $5 million investment from Fifth Growth Fund. Uh, The funding will be used to drive the company's expansion into food and beverages. It's a sector in which more creators have been cashing in. Joining us right now is Mark D'Amelio, co-founder of D'Amelio Brands. It's great to see you, sir. Let's talk about what's happening in, in the creator economy and specifically the food space. I mean, I remember watching Mr. Beast. I don't know if you guys are all Mr. Beast fans. You guys have kids, yeah. okay? Uh, you know, he, he's in the burger business across the country, never even had to open an actual burger store to do it. Does it effectively like ghost kitchens? Mark, how is what you're doing work? And let's sort of talk about sort of how far you think this whole world can go. Well, hey, Andrew, good to see you, man. La- last time I was here, we talked about launching D'Amelio Brands. We've launched a footwear company called D'Amelio Footwear. We've gone direct to consumer and and now have uh, just got back from a magic show in Vegas, opened up a bunch of retailers. So that's been very successful. And now we started a brand uh, launching it in October with a global retailer uh, called Be Happy Snacks. And we're really excited about that. And this is the first time I'm talking about it. And so what, what what does that business look like? You know, that that right now where we did footwear, we went direct to consumer. This business is going to be uh, working with retailers ac- across the globe and, and bringing it dir- directly to your local store and uh, selling Be Happy Snacks through uh, places you're familiar with every day. And will they be branded D'Amelio? Will they be, how, will, how will it be branded? 
so we we're calling it be happy snacks uh my daughter dixie had a had uh has a song called be happy and it kind right. of uh sparked us to to come up with that brand name so it will be by d'amelio brands but it will be called be happy snacks and in terms of the marketing is all of the marketing effectively happened through your social media channels is that the, the the entirety of it or do you have to shift as these things build out and grow what what does it look like we've we definitely have learned a lot my background is is selling to retail that's what i did prior to all this craziness that has happened with my family and I think one thing I would say to all the creators out there that it, it isn't just your, your following doesn't equate to customers. You really have to do the work. And, and we've learned that part of the work is working with retail and making sure that people, uh, as it relates to footwear, people could touch and feel and try it on and, and, and getting it to the customer as opposed to thinking they're just going to come to you and click right. a button and shop. That's not always the case. Speak to this issue of, of the followers are not always the customers or, or just having a massive following doesn't necessarily translate. Do you have to think about what that customer and even what the followers now look like? Are you having to get more granular about sort of focusing on specific constituent audiences? What does that look like in the in the influencer social media world? Absolutely. Especially you got to think about your product category, uh, footwear, women's footwear that we're selling. Uh, is an intimate um, purchase, and and you have to make sure you you know there's sizing issues. There's all kinds of things that that we we've had someone come to our website, and we know this 73 times before they made a purchase. So we definitely have to know our customer, and we do think uh, working wholesale, selling wholesale, working with retailers is one of the ways we'll be able to uh, meet our customer uh, at a retail location. Mark, you've had such incredible success. Uh, how, how much of the rise of the D'Amelio families was your uh, master? Are you like the Chris Jenner uh, over here pulling the strings? I mean, this is the first time I really feel comfortable. When we first started going on uh, TikTok and, and social media, I, I'll be quite transparent. I, was, I felt like a fish out of water, and I felt like I was the oldest person in the room. This, I grew up. Uh, in the garment center in New York City. I have my own clothing brand for a while. I've sold to retail. So this is my domain. So it's, it's. I don't know if I'm the uh, mastermind, but I'm definitely this work comfortable. Were you resistant to their sort of, t you know, we all as parents are trying to figure out whether to even let the kids have the phones and all this stuff. So did you watch it first passively and a little bit nervously or did the second they started posting, were you all in? For an, I, I think for an older guy, I'm a pretty early adopter and I monitored it, but I was definitely open to it. And then when Charlie and Dixie kind of were, we were living in Connecticut when Charlie was kind of coming in my room every, every day and go, come on, dad, let's move to California. I was like, all right, let's go. So uh, I, I, it's just been a crazy fun experience. And, and now it's kind of coming full circle where we're actually having a blast running a business together. Hey, Mark. Final question, how far can the brand go? Meaning you, you're doing clothing, you're now doing food, clothing in the shoes. And like, where, where if, if, we, if you're sitting here at the table five years from now, what is this? Yeah, I mean, you look at, there, there's tons of companies that, that have a bunch of different brands. We, we would, I, what I'm trying to do really is just giving my, my daughters and our family options to do things and not be so dependent on 
on the next brand deal and and kind of getting out. I say it all the time. They find you, influencers find themselves in a sent themselves in a hamster wheel and just giving giving this where we're creating something that they could decide that what they want to do with it, whether they want to run it or sell it. Um, but we're having a lot a lot of fun along the way. It's a, it, okay. One more one more for you. Go ahead. Right, the, my one more is the quick sugar high of some sponsor who des- who who just wants them to do something versus actually doing it yourself and the investment of it and knowing or hoping that it's going to work out on the other end uh, as opposed to just taking the cash and running. How do they think about that? How do you think about that? Because I assume there's going to be times where someone comes to you with, with a huge number and, and, and they might even be now in the space that you're trying to invest in to turn into your own business. I mean, we've been very lucky. We started this when I was already uh, fairly successful in my business. So we did this at a position of strength where we never had to uh, t- take an opportunity that just didn't feel right. And Charlie and Dixie both will come to me will, when, when an opportunity presents itself and, and say, either, Dad, I love this, I've always lo- loved this product or company, or I just don't think it's right. And one of our first deals early on as a family that we had together, we passed on because it just didn't feel right for us. All right. Mark, thank you. It's always good to see you. Appreciate it. Good luck, Bye, Andrew. Thank you. We look forward right. to following you. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for tuning in. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Thanks to Kelly Evans for sitting in today. Is this from a movie that I haven't seen? Nope. Just the movie that we would make that no one would see. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow us here on Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.